Thank you for joining us for the PEBCAC Podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 30 of 2021, and Northern California has just been getting rocked by mini earthquakes all week. Hopefully the big one isn't far away because I do not have earthquake insurance, volcano insurance, or cybersecurity insurance. I'm Chris Louie, and with me I have Brian Deach. So what's up, everyone? Uh, I'm hoping that the big one is close by because I want you guys to fall off in the ocean. I'm going to have some prime beachfront property over here in Arizona. Uh, But joking aside, it's monsoon season over here. And if you don't know what that is, there is this thing called a haboob that will come into our uh, area every once in a while. It's basically just like a mile high dust storm. And uh, it just covers everything in this really fine dust. And it's disgusting. But if there's two, two of them, do you have haboobies? Haboobies. I love that. <laughs> uh, dun, dun, dun. Dad joke of the week done already. Already in the <laughs> beginning. <laughs> Took it right off the top. Oh, I love it. Uh, and we have Glenn Medina joining us on his day offs. Thanks for joining us for the recording wall on PTO. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today for episode 17. It's a great day as I received good news from my dad's oncologist that the type of cancer mutation my dad has actually has an FDA-approved medication. While it's not 100% effective, we will take what we can get. This has been a month of trying times, and this news makes my mom happy. Speaking of uh, the, the medication, I did not know. I looked at my dad's copay. His copay was $60, and the medication itself listed at 16800 for a 30-day supply. Hmm. So someone's making money out there. Jesus. Wow. Well, it's, I guess it's good news that there is medication and that is is affordable. Yeah. For at least for your dad. Our guest host this week is Ben Bailey. You may remember Ben from episode ten where we recorded in person, but Ben was out of the room when we introduced him. So Ben, would you like to introduce yourself today? Yeah, I uh, Ben Bailey. Uh, I am a. Uh... Security uh, or, um, uh, security engineer extraordinaire. I work with these fine gentlemen, and the fact that they invited me back for a second chance um, uh, just warms my heart. But uh, keeping uh, keeping a little bit on the um, you know on the weather theme here, you know, you'll notice in my background it kind of looks even through the blur a bit of a hotelish um, you know hotelish theme. I actually uh, we went through a heat wave in the Northwest that was of record proportions here a week ago. So triple di- triple digit temperatures in uh, in Seattle, Washington, um, where everyone kind of you know hides away inside um, under their fans and then air conditioning if they're lucky. So I actually headed south to try to find cooler temperatures and uh, find myself here. Uh, on the pebcast you know what they say in arizona hold hold my beer it's 120 (laughs) exactly yeah well thanks ben for joining us while you are in a hotel room combined we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate but to entertain we've got four awesome stories for you this week so sit back relax and enjoy the show first of all congratulations to the tampa bay lightning for winning back-to-back stanley cups Remember, earlier this year, the Tampa Bay Bucks won the Super Bowl, so Florida Man has a lot to celebrate this year. Ben, on the last week on the show, we talked about sports teams that we follow. Are you a diehard Seahawks, Supersonics, and Mariners fan? Are they even called the Supersonics anymore, or did I just date myself? Oh, you mean the uh, the Oklahoma Oklahoma City Thunder or whatever it is? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a tough subject for those of us up in Seattle. And I think that takes it's like ten years yeah, ago. Yeah, ten too. years ago. <laughs> yeah, so so you, you know you would ask if I still drank Starbucks coffee, <clears throat> Howard Schultz, but um, 
uh, yeah, you know, we, uh, we kind of forgive and forget pretty early when we, uh, when we spend our life on the road and we need coffee in the morning, but, uh, yeah, diehard Seahawks fan, uh, looking forward to, uh, to the season coming up and actually having fans in the stands this year, hopefully knock on wood. Um, you know, that's kind of our, uh, you know, our, it gives us the edge if you may. And, um, having empty stadiums last year was a little bit light. Um, Hey, um, you know, newsflash or breaking news. We actually have a, a common story between our Bay Area friends and our Seattle friends here in the football world. Um, it looks like Richard Sherman got into a little bit of trouble this afternoon. Um, you know, the Dateline of Redmond, Washington, um, 1.40 a.m., hit and run, lands his car into a cement barrier, um, leaves the car on foot, heads to a family member's home, and gets arrested for domestic violence and burglary. No bail, and he's still in jail in Seattle. How about that for the, uh, you know, for the, uh, for, for the, for the cornerback of the century there, and um, you know, all-star team guy. So more to follow, but that's a, it's a, it's an interesting one there. So I guess he'll be a free agent, right, Chris, for a little bit longer. I think so. That's a twofer, right? Hit and run, and domestic violence. Yeah, Good for yeah, him. yeah. And wait, and, a, wait a, and no bail. Way to elevate the sport <laughs> and no bail. That's right. Yeah, way to set the bar so low. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we wish Richard Sherman the best through his his navigation through the criminal justice system. <laughs> And fun fact, there are only two days a year when no professional sports are played here in the U.S. And those two days are the day before the Major League Baseball All-Star Game and the day after the All-Star Game, which happens to be today. So there's supposed to be no American football, no hockey, no baseball, and no basketball. Although this fact may be a little outdated considering the Phoenix Suns are playing tonight in the NBA Finals. So we'll have to revisit this one. Yeah, and when was the last time the Phoenix Suns were in the final, right? That was like the Bar- Charles Barkley days. Yeah, 93. There you go. It was a while back. Forever. <laughs> Forever ago. Yeah. Forever ago. No, no, another interesting. Ben was one. only four. Ben was only four. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and Team USA in exhibition uh, leading up to the Olympics has lost two in a row. I think two, ni- two in a to row. To Nigeria and Australia, right? And it's causing all sorts of upheaval. As the kids on the internet say, they're getting their cheeks clapped. I don't really know what that means, but (laughs) I don't know that we want to know what that means. But I'm sure there's a TikTok video out there, Brian. Yeah, I'm sure. All right. On that note, we'll, we'll transfer over to our first topic here. Have you guys ever sat through a timeshare pitch? Now, I know plenty of people who have coworkers my parents, even one of our former managers, and I've heard about the high-pressure sales tactics. I've never personally sat through a timeshare pitch. I find them really not worth my time, and when you do the return on investment calculation, it almost never works in your favor. There are some instances where it actually is worth it, but for my particular vacation lifestyle, where I very rarely take time off, I'm better off buying an index fund and living off the dividends. This relates to our first cybersecurity story, but first, I want to hear about any of your experiences. I'll go first. So, yes, I have several times. In fact, I have the timeshare with the Marriott in Newport Coast. (laughs) What a loser. I've had it now for quite some time. (laughs) What do you mean? It's been like the best thing since since we've used it. I mean, we've used it like 14 years in a row. Um, A little bit of an investment up front, but we didn't sit there and, and take it on the first take. We... We actually sat by and waited to the last offer and we got it down to its lowest and 
and got a timeshare. Now, it's gone up in price in some time, but again, I like the fact that we can go there every year. Um, we go there about uh, January, February of every year, and it's the same accommodations for the last 14 you know, hey, you know, I, I might buy now, Glenn. That was an excellent pitch. He sold, he sold him. him. Um, oh, you know, I, I have a timeshare story, too. Um, and, and this one is uh, it's interesting, right? Um, we went to one of the free, you know, you get two nights free. You come listen to the pitch, which basically takes up one of your one of your two days uh, in that uh, in that arrangement. Um, I sat through the hour and a half. You know, fuck, fortunately, I got out of there, you know, with my significant other. And we said, you know, this really isn't for us right now, you know, um, but do I have a deal for you? And this is part of my sales tech to get out of the get out of the meeting. I said, I will bring my parents back. They're the ones with the money. <laughs> <laughs> he totally threw them under the bus. And so I said, if you can get us a couple more free nights for six months from now. And so I went and pitched it to my parents, knowing that they may actually fall for this, this wonderful deal. Um, you know, flash forward six months, we go up there, you know, have some cocktails. My parents go into this meeting. They don't come back for four and a half hours. Um, oh, my wow. mom's excited. She goes, oh, we, 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 we bought in. This is going to be great. Family vacations for decades to come. Um, you know, and then um, a handful of years goes by. You do have these uh, annual dues that you pay, so maintenance fees. My mom didn't want to pay it anymore because she just wasn't traveling. You know, she's, you know, she's, she was sick, you know, for a long time. Um, and so I, uh, you know, before I, I offered to take over paying the, ma the annual maintenance, which runs you a couple thousand dollars a year. And, um, and because of that, I look back on it now and feel a little bit guilty because I got my parents to pay the upfront. And then I, I wound up, <laughs> I wind up using it every year, paying the, uh, you know, paying the annual maintenance. You give the term zero trust a whole new meaning. Like, <laughs> you like you threw your own parents I under did. the bus, bro. I don't know. <laughs> like go out to dinner with him. He's like, you're picking up the check, Brian. Uh, you know, I was I was trying to I was saying, you know, we we can have a deal here. You just probably don't have a deal with me. <laughs> <laughs> he sold the salesman, so that's, that's I think right. that's worth something. Yeah. Or he sold you. All right. Well, I got some heat last week from a fellow co-host for not discussing the largest ransomware attack in history. And I rep repeatedly said I do not want to turn the PebCAC podcast into the ransomware podcast, but this one is significant, so I think we should devote a little bit of time on the topic. The R-Evil -Evil ransomware crew, also known as Studio Nokibi, leveraged a zero-day exploit in the Kaseya management software to push out the ransomware to an estimated 2,000 organizations. And how does this relate to timeshares? Good question. So the way the timeshare pitch works is typically they say, you know, for, for 50,000, you, 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 you get it for the year, you get it for like a month out of the year. And then if you say that's too much and they say, okay, well, uh, 30,000, you get it for two weeks a year. And then even, even no. And then you say, okay, well for you know, 18,000, we'll give it to you for a week. So they keep cutting the price and they keep giving you less and less. And that was actually the way that, uh, our evil took the ransomware extortion attempt. So they said for, you know, 50,000 will decrypt one file type. So you can have all your PDFs, you can have all your doc files, you can have all your JPEGs, whatever you want. And they said, or for the low price of 5 million, we'll decrypt one company's entire set of files. So that's, that, that seems like a really good deal. If you have 5 million bucks, you can unlock the files for one of the 2,000 affected organizations. Or they said, for the low, low price of 70 million, We'll give you the universal decryptor key that can unlock all 2000 organizations. So number one, they really built the crypto to 
act like this this timeshare pitch where they they have different levels of decryption available and two 70 million you know would you change your response because when i asked you guys a couple podcasts ago would you ransomware somebody if the payoff was 50 million and then the trade-off is you have to live in a non-extradition country like singapore or my personal favorite tajikistan does 70 million dollars change your mind i guess what you have to go back to is has anyone of these guys been implicated and put to jail other than the big gnomes that we've seen in the past right so it's like can i get can i truly get away with this you know like the oceans 11 type thing where you get away and no one really finds you and i don't know but i i i i, I like I like not spending time in jail, Chris. <laughs> so, you don't want to look over your shoulder every day. Yeah, yeah. Look and sleep with one eye open. I, I think I'm good. So, but then again, it's probably how I was raised. I was just gonna say, I think uh, you know when you look at the you know the ransomware and the origins, Chris. I mean, you know, when you look at sort of the you know the actors that are performing the uh, you know performing the the the, the infiltration and the uh, and the attack, and then who's behind them? And a lot of times, you know, there's that that veil of nation state actor or someone kind of covering for them. And I, I see that, you know, almost being like a proxy out there. And, and, you know, and so, you know, when you look at the safe places where they can, you know, where they can kind of run off and maybe spend their millions or where, where this, where these ill gotten gains go, you sometimes wonder if there's a, a puppet master behind the scenes kind of playing a bigger story here or not. Yeah. There's no doubt that Breville is being, is operating out of Russia and Russia would never extradite one of their citizens. So you're, you're put in a so if, if from the point of view of, of the rebel gang, they're in a particular situation, like they get away with it, they get money, they stay in Russia, they get to spend their money on, on BMWs and houses and drugs and, and the like. But the trade-off is you can never go to a country that has extradition. So if you take that vacation to Thailand and you forget, Oh, Thailand has an extradition treaty with the U S and they just, van you they throw you in a van they they ship you over to to the u.s for for trial so i think geography actually plays a really important role in these these guys lives like which countries have extradition and where can i visit and oh if i'm on a boat and my boat wanders into international waters can i get getting can i get yanked there so there's there's a little bit of looking over your shoulder but 70 million i 70 million living in russia you that, that's retirement money you know it kind of reminds me of half of that is retirement money <laughs> kind of, kind of uh, you know, a slightly different topic. Kind of reminds me of a fine gentleman who lives south of the border named, uh, I think, El Chapo, right? I mean, he had a great, he had, he had a great <laughs> business going, bringing in a lot of revenue. And when you watch these <laughs> these documentaries and the gold plated houses and swimming pools and toilets, I thought, man, this guy's living large. But then I thought, you know, he doesn't. This guy doesn't show up to Maui and go on vacation with his wife, you know, or go to visit Paris and all these places that we uh, that we could go. I mean, you got to live your life on the run. I mean, even with bringing in billions and ill-gotten gains, and it just it didn't seem to me like that would be a uh, be a way to way to spend your days and grow old, right? I'll take the rocking chair on the porch with a with a good Netflix subscription. Just a simple man with a simple pleasure, <laughs> Netflix <laughs> and a torch. <laughs> i don't know i 70 million like i hate to say it's so patriotic here but i'm i'm from america baby red white and blue like i don't i don't know that i could ever not live in america 70 million doesn't had, do have you ever had mcdonald's in another country it's just not the same okay. i don't have mcdonald's period i hate you you guys need to make ribs but uh, you know when's the mcrib funny? coming back oh, tasty <laughs> I guarantee you there was some like network administrator probably like talking to these dudes like, hey, uh, 
the only women I know have a .jpg at the end of their name. Could you go ahead and uh, hook a brother up with the decryption keys? <laughs> you have to read between the lines of that one. <laughs> I think the other fascinating part of the story is it, it is being classified as the worst ransomware attack in history, but we're really not seeing that that much real world effect from it. You know, Colonial got hit and the old East Coast didn't have gas. JBS got hit and there's going to be no hamburgers or steaks for 4th of July barbecues. But, you know, 2,000 organizations and, and the reason it affected so many organizations is the Revil gang targeted these managed service providers that typically service uh, small to medium-sized businesses. Uh, funny enough, I was actually talking to my dentist about this, and he knows I work in cybersecurity. He says, hey, what do you think about this? And I said, well, you know, like you, I'm sure you don't have a dedicated IT person. You probably contract that out to another company or another person. He's like, yeah, yeah, we have we have uh, Bob. He, he runs our IT stuff. And I said, yeah, well, if Bob's company gets owned by ransomware that goes basically upstream to all of the dental offices he he supports so you 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 attack bob you don't attack the the dental office and that's exactly what happened here they hit the managed service provider or the managed security uh, provider and it just spread laterally like crazy and and that's why we're being talking about the worst ransomware attack in history is you hit the one target and all the pins fall down are there any countries that we can go to that i can like still badmouth the president and like shoot a gun or is that like you gotta sacrifice both of those things look at chris thinking he's like yeah i'm actually thinking like there's there's I don't think, like singapore the... you can't have a gun and there's Canada? they got some pretty strict laws no you can't 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 you there but you can't yeah yeah i don't know if there's another country you can do but i was seeing philippines but no philippines i don't think they like criticism of the government there oh they'll just shoot you and you'll just disappear so yeah yeah I want my seven million, seventy million. I want my my gun still, and I want my freedom of speech. Where's that at? You guys tell me. If, if, I think that's then, a Venn diagram that never intersects. The, the, <laughs> the independent, in the independent country of Texas. <laughs> yeah, the independent country of Texas, exactly. <laughs> or or yeah. I got one for you. The Principality of Sealand. Look that one up. Prin- principality uh, of Sealand. <laughs> yeah. Alaska. No, Alaska's part of the U.S. Right? Yeah, all well, all these states right. are—they're all, yeah, yeah. Come on, Holden, get it together. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. So, so now I can tell my hosts we've talked about the worst ransomware attack in history. We can move on to our next topic for this for this week, though, Chris. Next week for is this another week. is another yeah. week. Exactly. True. So 3.6 billion U.S. dollars in Bitcoin just went missing. A South African crypto exchange called AfriCrypt went belly up when its founders, who happened to be brothers, say that they were a, quote, victim of a cyber attack and someone made off with their entire stash of $3.6 billion worth of Bitcoin. And this is investor money. The whole thing seems really shady because when the founders disclosed the supposed hack to its investors and its clients, they specifically asked them not to involve lawyers or law enforcement as it would complicate efforts to recover the money. The brothers have since vanished with the money and everything just screams exit scam. Even if they were telling the truth, any legitimate crypto exchange should never keep all its money in what what are called warm wallets, which are online and hackable. Most reputable exchanges keep their cryptocurrency offline, which is what's called cold storage. When the Winklevoss twins of Facebook and the social network fame 
when they set up their account, they had about a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. They physically printed out the private key. So this is a very long string of, of characters. And that key proves that they own the $1 billion in crypto. They cut up the key into several pieces and opened safety deposit boxes in banks just all across the U.S. They flew around, they drove around and put pieces of this key in, in various safety deposit boxes so that reassembling the key would be a nightmare. Now remember that really good security makes things inconvenient, and that's about as inconvenient as you could get. Physically visiting banks across the U.S., but it's super secure. It, it, it is super secure. There, there's something to be said for that. But doesn't that kind of take us that we evolved to using digital currencies to try to move ourselves away from, you know, legacy financial systems. And lo and behold, we've come full circle to going back to a safety deposit box to put our digital currency keys away for safekeeping. That we printed out. Yeah. After printing them out, right. On, <laughs> on a, on a HP printer. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of irony in that, but I guess that's, you want to be secure, got to go old school. There's a, there's a line in movies like, I love pen and paper. Nobody can hack this. Yeah. You know, my luck, one of those banks would burn down. I'm like, <laughs> just enough for me not to be able to restore that. Yeah, I guess you've got to have some kind of backup strategy. I know there, there's some uh, exchanges online or some uh, hardware wallet companies that they, they offer a piece of, I guess it's a piece of metal and you can use like a punch in a piece of metal and you can punch your private key into this piece of metal and it's supposed to be you know fire resistant or throw it in a fireproof safe or something so again going back to old school you're almost going back to like stone and tablet at that point hey you know on the note of like these uh these brothers for Africrip, which is an amazing name I wish I would have thought of it yeah. um you know I'm gonna take their side I think that maybe they were hacked I mean like why at 3.6 billion did you do it? Like, was 1 billion not enough? Like, it's kind of just an odd thing. Or was it like literally like, bro, we need like at least 3.5 to cover our expenses and then we can get the heck out? Like, I don't know. I'm I'm going to err on the side of the uh, the brothers here until, you know, innocence will prove him guilty. Again, why America is so damn great. I would like to think that the timing of it may have been a Bernie Madoff type situation where it was a house of cards. It was a Ponzi scheme and the house of cards was about to collapse. And then this is when they yanked and pulled their exit scam. Uh, I, I think there's still a lot to be known about what happened here, but that's, that's one theory that I can put forward. Any other theories? Like they just cashed it out, put it on black at, you know, uh, at Sands Casino, Macau. Is that kind of like uh, <laughs> Mike Guns disappeared in a boating accident or was it, were yeah. lost in a boating accident? Yeah, like, yeah, legitimately, they were lost in a boating accident. Stop asking. Yeah, that's right. Bri Brian, I think I think they were looking for a country that where they could just shoot guns and, and you know, badmouth the president and something happened. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's that's not South Africa. You could do one of the two in South Africa for sure. Yeah. I guess on the topic of South Africa, did you guys watch that video? It, it went viral maybe three months ago about this uh, armored car that got attacked. They were tr they were actually transporting high-end cell phones. And okay. this, uh, I don't know what you call him, not a mercenary, but a, a former South African Special Forces guy was was the driver. And he was like cool as a cucumber under pressure. Like it, There's literally incoming gunfire. You could see the bulletproof windows like getting hit with bullets. And this guy's just like driving like his life depends on it, which... I guess it, it literally does at that point. But I mean, South Africa is so dangerous that even high-end cell phones have to be transported with by an armored vehicle. And they get attacked by armed assailants. That's it turns out this dude was in, yeah, the dude was a, an Uber driver in New York. So he was just 
You know, no big deal. This is yeah, like a no, big it's deal. no big deal. <laughs> He That's actually, awesome. he, actually, Brian, that was his retirement job, armored car driving in South Africa after uh, <laughs> spending his career driving Uber in the no Bronx. No kidding. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, 3.6 billion. I wonder where they got to turn up, man. And, and it's not like Bitcoin's untraceable. Like, it's it's marketed as this this untraceable currency. And like, no, we can see on the blockchain. It's a public ledger. We know where the coins are going. Yeah. And, you know, if we see these coins going into a tumbler and they try to mix it up and try to hide it, I mean, that, that just makes them look even more guilty. But devil's advocate, Brian's theory that they're innocent. This could be the thieves that stole the money and are trying to launder it out into, you know, hard currency. You look at the ledgers, it's a bunch of Domino's, Domino's orders pizza. You don't know me, Domino's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 3.6 billion worth. <laughs> All right, on to our next topic. Now, the problem with carding and the act of carding is stealing credit card numbers. And this was really popular maybe, mm -hmm. I don't know, 10 years ago. I can't remember when, when the Target breach was. When we think of Target and Home Depot, TJX, uh, Heartland Payment Systems, these are just massive, massive hacks of millions and millions, tens of millions of credit card numbers being stolen. And the credit card numbers themselves aren't really worth much. The problem with carding has always been a way to monetize the stolen credit card numbers. And dump, dumps or batches of these, these numbers, they get stale over time. So as these cards expire, as people cancel these cards, as people get wise that there was a breach and they get canceled. But one particular thief found a way to quickly monetize his, his stolen cards. And what this, this thief had done was he used Apple Pay on a bunch of burner phones, so he bought you know, iPhones and use burner SIMs and set up Apple Pay on them. And he was actually able to buy things. Like he bought a $30,000 Rolex watch. He bought a bunch of luxury goods. He bought a Bitcoin necklace that was encrusted encrust with diamonds. It was gold, of course. And he, I think all in all, he spent about $600,000, $800,000 with these stolen credit cards using Apple Pay. Now, I'm a bit confused about how he did this because I, I'm admittedly an Apple fanboy. I, I do everything Apple. And every anytime I add a, a card to Apple Pay, I always have to confirm through SMS or email that I want my card added to Apple Pay. And that's a built-in protection because, you know, having physical possession of a card is not proof of ownership. If I give the waiter at Olive Garden my card, he walks away with it, he could he could scan my card, add it to Apple Pay, and, and there should be some level of protection to prevent that from, from happening. Now, is that the burner phone component of this whole deal, though? Are they using that to maybe get their SMS? I, I, I don't, yeah, yeah, you're, you have a good point there. That's interesting because, you know, I, um, I'm getting more and more now, you know, uh, the, the challenge and response multi-factor on anything I do, right, in your financial institutions. You just, I go log into my AT&T account, log, you know, and boom, you know, please see the text messages, please see the text messages. I appreciate that. Um, you know, about the only time it becomes in just mildly inconvenient is when you're on a plane and you want to log into something. And then they say, you know, we've sent you a four digit text. And you're like, gosh, dang it. I got, I got to wait till I land before I can check this out. But that's the You only have that problem on Android phones, though. That's yeah. right. Only only on Android phones. <laughs> only on Android phones. <laughs> yeah. Because iMessage, you actually get the text. If the sender uses iMessage, that's the trick. Well, for, for you know the other thing, Chris, which is kind of interesting about this uh, on, on this topic, which I, I I renewed my tabs the other day, right, with the with the Department of Licensing, and you can pay with a credit card. 
but you can also pay by bank, right? If you didn't have, you know, they charge you a fee to pay, you know, a couple dollars to pay with the credit card. And now, okay, well, we'll try the pay by bank bit. You know, so you pull out your, you dust off your checkbook, you know, if you can find it buried in the bottom of your drawer. And, um, and you, you put that rank routing number in and then your account number. And that's all they ask for. And then you hit click and submit. And, you know, two days later, the $150 comes out of your checking account. And I thought, that's all it takes. It's just the bank routing number and the account number. And I mean, there's no, you know, I mean, so if someone had one of your checks, you know, you could, you could probably cause a little bit of trouble. Um, then again, maybe I'm the only one that still has an actual checking account. <laughs> well, what's crazy is though, like, you know, if you go to a store, let's say Safeway, and you see a uh -huh. bunch of checks inside there, the numbers are exposed. So the routing number, the, yeah. the, the account number, the account and number, yeah. the name is on there. So what's to prevent people from actually drafting directly from your account if they had that, a copy of that? Yeah, I, mean, I always the... wondered about that. The only credit I'll give is, is when you bind your checking account to like PayPal or Vimo or one of these, it does, it, it waits and it sends you like that one cent deposit, right? You know, so you can verify who you are and then it kind of goes back. So maybe there's a, you know, there are some protections in place. I just, uh, I think I, I discovered a slight gap. Uh, then again, we generally don't expect our state and local governments to be on the cutting edge of cybersecurity, right, Chris? Well, I think that's what scares me. <laughs> <They're> not. <laughs> So I, I bet you this guy before he you know pulled off this awesome scam with Apple Pay and all that good stuff, he probably dressed like a seven year old that just found like a thousand dollars. That's just oh, yeah. based off of his purchasing history. <laughs> if I had to envision what he looked like, a very Ronald McDonald like character is what I'm guessing. He's got his supreme hoodie and his Gucci cap. <laughs> I know what he spent his money on that his stimulus check. I already know. I'm not going to tell you guys, but I get it. I get it. <laughs> I mean, I have to say credit card companies, I think they're getting better because I've, I mean, I use, I've been using credit cards online for, for decades now. And it used to be that I'd have to change my number probably every four months. And that was probably a good streak because inevitably, you know, I, I'm safe. I use HTTPS or I used a, a VPN or I, I just make sure that I, I'm, I'm safe when entering my number online, but inevitably my credit card gets stolen if somebody buys uh, tickets to uh, some city that I, I don't even want to visit or somebody gets an Uber in a city that I've never been to and just my, my card gets compromised. And I actually have to say, you know, knock on wood, my, my primary credit card that I used hasn't been compromised for probably a year and a half now, which I think is a, is a good long streak. What you should, what, you... what you should do is tell us a little bit about your, uh, your recent thing that you had to go through with the, the surface pro and, and whatnot. Yeah. Cause I thought that was so clever what they were up to against you. Oh yeah, yeah that, yeah. So I, I, I was working. Obviously, I was I was working very hard at my job and answering customer emails. And um, on my personal email tab, which I I only check after my primary work is done during a work day, of course. And I go to my personal email, and I'm just getting flooded, like just absolutely flooded with with newsletter <laughs> sign up confirmations, like you know, legitimate newsletters that they send out now. They say, uh, you know, click here to subscribe or click here to confirm your subscription and i was just getting flooded with them so i thought okay some jokester out there got my email address and they're just trying to grief me whatever so i i go down the line and click report spam report spam report spam report spam just just so my inbox can get flooded and so they know this isn't not legitimate and i probably went through no less than 500 emails and i was going through each one to make sure i wasn't reporting spam for something that was actually legitimate and all of a sudden i see an order confirmation from best buy and i thought 
okay, maybe this is spam or maybe this is phishing. So I actually open it and it actually appears to be legitimate because typically um, Best Buy phishing emails, they say, dear customer, you know, we, 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 th we place this order on your behalf. If this is not correct, reply, click this link or call this phone number. And that's, that's how they fish you. But this actually looked like a really legitimate email. It came from the Best Buy, Best Buy email domain. They had, you know, DKIM, they had um, DMARC on and everything. So it, it actually was legitimately from Best Buy. So I, I go to the website, I type in bestbuy.com, I log into my account, and my password is really long, it's unique, so it wasn't a password reuse attack, but I, I logged in, and sure enough, somebody had gone into my Best Buy account, placed an order for a, a Surface Book 3, a Microsoft tablet, which tells me they have you know poor taste in, in quality electronics, but also that they somehow got into my account, even with, with my very long and unique password, so I, I'm not sure exactly how that happened, but... Thankfully, I was able to successfully cancel the order online. It was actually a pickup order, and it was to my local Best Buy. This is the Best Buy that I go to to pick stuff up, so I'm, I'm not sure how they were going to plan to get it if it was somebody close or... Yeah, that was a really strange one, but yeah, running interference and just blowing up my inbox hoping that I wouldn't see the order confirmation, that was... You know, if I was on vacation or if I wasn't at a computer, like I would have said, I'll deal with this later. I can't deal with this right now of reporting all these for spam, but... Uh, I was able to go in and, and actually find this email and, and dig it out. So that was eye-opening, I guess, for me. It, it was definitely interesting. Is how did they get into your Best Buy account, though, if you're not if you're not using a non, a very unique password? That, there's got to be something on the Best Buy side, right? Is that an inside job? Is that what's what was up? Yeah, I, I would like to know that, too. Um, and, and to my, at the time, I didn't know this, but Best Buy now supports multi-factor authentication. What I last changed my password they didn't support that but they do now so anybody out there best buy definitely turn on 2fa for that so this doesn't happen to you but yeah that's that's a big mystery of, of how they got into my account placed the order and you know I, I keep my credit card on file for convenience so they probably just hit my credit card on file to to complete the order but yeah i don't know how they got into my account well we all know you were shopping for car stereos and while you were waiting they went ahead and you know you're, you're checking email on one of the shared computers over there and the, i mean is it was that simple no uh, joking aside <laughs> obviously I, I almost feel like i mean you're doing all the right things outside of the multi-factor authentication it just seems like there was a like some type of session hijacking attempt or they, they found a vulnerability on bestbuy.com and were able yeah. to emulate you know a user login why they picked on chris louie you know the the deflector of doom I don't know, but uh, you know, to, to each their own. I think it's, I think it's a little bit more more than a lucky password guess. I think something terrible happened there. Well, well, Chris, if if um, you know, if it makes you feel any better to not be alone here, um, while you all were talking, I did a quick little uh, sniff on my my harbinger of all that is you know the the uh, the inf inf right information in the world. Reddit, right? The exact story you just told, and I threw it up in our chat here. Somebody said, went to Best Buy, checked my account. <laughs> there was an order placed and they got into my account. And I don't, I didn't check the date on it, but that's, uh, I, I think that Best Buy has actually had some problems. So I guess my moral of my story, when I see some of these hacks that take place, right, on some of our, either on the consumer or, you know, the retail side, you know, I'll sit there and say, oh, I didn't shop at Target. You know, I didn't do this. You know, it's, it won't affect me. Um, but then you, you know what, you, that kind of brought your story back up to the forefront of my mind, because we, if we've spent money at these places or we've ever had something shipped to us from Home Depot, you know, then they have our credit card number, even though we may not use that as sort of a regular place we shop. And then something like this can come back around and bite you. Yeah, that's actually a good point, because I think one of the fraud protections a lot of e-commerce places 
do that they say if you ship to a new address if if yeah like or, if, or even if you buy a gift card they make you re-enter the credit card number as a security precaution so i think the only way they could have you know made out with this this service book was to use uh, either a known address which is my my shipping address or do a local pickup yeah Hey, speaking of not trusting anything online anymore, um, you know, I, I don't even trust an Amazon. Your order is shipped email these days. I, you know, and I, you, know, you look at that thing and they say, hey, well, you, we've shipped your order. And I look at it and go, OK, yeah, right. I, I'll go log into Amazon and then check my order and say, OK, yeah, OK, I guess it's shipped. You know, working in this space, you know, it, all the, you know, the emails that look so realistic these days, you know, uh, you know, and then you get flooded with them. I'm just not sure, you know, even if something yeah. that would normally look like a legit link. I'm just not, I'm not clicking on anything anymore. Yeah. So one of the tricks that I do just is that I, you know, for all the credit cards that I have, if there's a charge of over a penny, I get a text. So, you know, this past Christmas, I saw a bunch of five cent charges or 50 cent charges and 99 cent charges, about 400 to be exact. And uh, I quickly uh, contacted um, Citibank and was like, yo, something's going on. And they quickly canceled my card and, and, uh, prevented that from happening so it, it looked like someone had gotten to my card but yeah so the idea is what i do is anything over a penny i have a text sent to me and i can quickly tell if it's one of the kids or the wife buying something or if it's something superfluous right someone hacking me hopefully they didn't go through when when because when i report fraud they go through every single transaction was this you was this you was this you was this you so yeah. hopefully you'd have to go through that 500 times yeah, well, the, the first five were like, is this you? And I'm like, listen, there's 400 of them. They're all from Xbox. <laughs> it's five cents, 50 cents, and 99 cents. You tell me which ones are inside there. So, Well, I'll, I'll follow my sword, and I will say, I have been the victim of the credit card skimmer at the cash machine. Um, I, uh, I used <laughs> my, years, you know, handful, handful of years ago, I went to a bank of America. I put my card in the machine. I typed my pin number, you know, and nothing worked. I thought, Oh, this dang machine, right. You know, just when you want to get out a couple hundred bucks. Um, and there was a guy, it was nighttime. There was a guy in the parking lot kind of waiting in his car. And I thought to myself, okay, well, whatever people in the parking lot, I, I, you know, the cashing quote unquote didn't work, but the actual, you know, the keypad, everything wouldn't have raised any sort of clue. I walked away, you know, I'm with my card went got my car left and that guy was just you know he gets out of his car he goes up to the cash machine i didn't think anything of it the next day they had used my evidently withdrawn 500 dollars, whatever the max is you can pull out from the cash machine all up and down i-5 between washington and northern california and they took out you know they got out about you know four thousand dollars uh, before they finally shut it off because they just kept stopping like driving from washington back to california stopping at every b of a or every cash machine they could find so i was uh yeah it, it always makes me wonder now anytime i you know you go up and put your card in something is this the real deal or not yeah reddit's real big on that did you yank on the the credit card thing before putting it in <laughs> yep yep dang touching he made it out good yeah and gas you know station skimmers too so right yeah I, I called you know you can here's the funny thing is cash machines and other places where you swipe your card have those cameras right where they're looking right at you for the most part like you see all the videos on the america's most wanted and everything um i called the bank i said you guys have cameras everywhere i know you can catch this person and you know what i was told i was told yes you're right we do but you know what unless like the fbi is involved and it's over a certain amount of money we just don't go, you know, there's, it's the, you know, there's, there's only so many, so many hours in the day is basically what I was told. So did they, so did <laughs> no. they refund you your money? Yes, they did. Because, 
Okay. Sounds like sounds like Gavin Newsom is running the fraud department for B of A. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's yeah. it's below a million. It's okay. Yeah. And if there's any B of A um, employees out there watching this, uh, disclaimer: you've always been a good bank to me. Um, you have my home equity line of credit. I pay on time. Things are good. Things are good. It was just a little mistake, and we all make them. All right, back to you, Chris. All right, on to our last topic, and this is going to be a rotating segment every week. And this week's topic is uh, premium subscription video on demand, PSVOD versus movie theater. Now, Black Widow released on on Disney Plus, and it was a premium video on demand, and they also released in the movie theater simultaneously. I know, Brian, you went to the theater to go, to go uh, watch this movie, and this is not pay-per-view like the Poirier McGregor fight this past weekend which I definitely paid for and did not bootleg a stream online for PSVOD you already have to have a Disney plus and that's you know seven bucks a month and then you also have to pay the upcharge of thirty dollars for the movie so you're looking at you know thirty seven bucks to watch this movie at home and you can have as many people as, as you want we talked about the per person pay-per-view creepy camera you know a while ago but for now 37 bucks everybody can watch it uh, pre-pandemic weekend movie night tickets were about 15 bucks each. So two adults and one or two kids would be somewhere like 40 or, or $50. And then you had the popcorn and the concessions and, and the like. With TVs and surround sound so good and Brian's backlit TV, I would argue that the home movie experience is getting almost parody to movie theaters. What do you, what do you guys think of these premium subscription video on demand versus going to the theater? So... I'll go first since I went to go see Blackwood with my daughter. It was like, it was like kind of a surreal um, moment to be honest with you. Cause uh, I agree with you, right? Like, you know, what you can have at home versus the theater, uh, it's negotiable, but it's just weird. You walk in and you're immediately hit with the aroma of popcorn. So you're like, I'm going to get that and go over there and get a little slushy. Right. And then walking into the theater and like, you know, the, the entire thing sold out. We're in an IMAX and you know, everyone's sitting down, they got the recliners and there's no mask, right? And just it's just kind of cool when people are conversating. It's just like it's so weird. Like I haven't seen this in you know 18 months. And then the movie previews come on, and I'm like, damn, I forgot how much I miss movie previews. Yeah. And then I legitimately got excited for some movies coming up. I'm like, I haven't felt this in years. And then of course, when you're leaving, you're like, oh, I freaking stepped in gum, and you know my shirt's covered in pop- popcorn grease. But whatever, right? It was a good time. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, we will probably frequent the movies, the actual theaters, as opposed to watching them in-house for the foreseeable future. I know there's a couple coming out in July. I already forgot the names, but we'll go see them anyways. I don't care. I still eat way too much popcorn, whether I'm at home or in the theater. I know. You, you order a large bucket, and then it's like a free <laughs> refill. Of course <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm American, right? Yeah, that's right. Well yeah. fed American. Hey, you know, speaking of the previews, what's interesting, you know, back in the, you know even with video on demand back in the day when you actually had to throw a DVD in. Right. And they always kind of the first 10 minutes of it was all the next movies coming out, but whatever that production company, Warner brothers, or, you know, whoever it was going to be, I don't, they don't do that. I, you don't see the previews anymore. You know, I kind of like those too, even whether you're in the theater or you're watching it on a DVD, but like when you order a movie on Amazon or, you know, Disney or, you know, one of these uh, other like Xbox or the services, it just goes straight to the movie. Um, but yeah, yeah, no foreplay. Uh, what happened to my then. trailer like foreplay? I, I, no do too. I do too. I love it that way. Yeah, it's but great. You, know, you think they're giving up a marketing pitch here, right? You know, spend another yeah. 10 bucks the next night. Um, no, Disney was no, the worst. No. They made unskippable previews on yeah. their DVDs and Blu-rays. They got in a lot of trouble for that. Yeah. 
I, I liked, I mean, especially during the pandemic, I like being able to watch some of the newer stuff at home. I mean, I was even willing to, you know, most of the, you know, the movies that you have to rent at home were like four ninety nine, three ninety nine, one of those. Um, but you know, uh, if you wanted to kind of like see it first or, you know, before theaters and you go, all right, is it worth the 1999? We better have, this better be a good one. Right. You know, sometimes you just say, yeah, what the heck, you know, you, you hit it. I've got a household of yeah, I've got a household of five, so fifteen bucks times five. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm already at a hundred bucks, you know, plus popcorn. It, it's it's a long night, right? And then I've got to go stand in line. And believe it or not, I don't like hanging around people, you know. So I like what? being at home, being able to stop the movie, go make popcorn because my my daughter's uh, boyfriend this past Christmas gave us a popcorn machine, so. And the popcorn that goes with it, so I get movie style popcorn at home anytime I want. Oh, like that's fact, I cooked some last. I made some last night, so I'm having a good time just being on my own bed. Now you're you're right, um, Brian. It's like the idea that you can walk into a movie, get free air conditioning for a hot afternoon somewhere, right? Get away from home and disappear and be on this super large screen. I do miss that part. I'm not gonna lie to you, but you know I, I'll forego that for the cost of. $37. So. Yeah, I was I, I was just hanging out in Safeway sometimes during the pandemic just to get out of the house. <laughs> now we know what, now we know what Brian now we know what what, what a likes party to animal. Do. Yeah, what a, hey, I know. Honey, honey, you need me to go get some more milk? I just gotta get out of here. It's, He's in the Safeway, freezer Safeway, section. Safeway, Safeway was the only thing open. <laughs> Hey, just post up there with your laptop and use their free Wi-Fi. That's right. <laughs> so that's awesome. we we all agree, right, that Disney Disneyland is the happiest place on earth, right? Like that's a yeah. saying that we've yeah. heard. The yeah. second happiest place on earth, Safeway. If you're having a, a bad day, <laughs> go there. You are not committing suicide because so many people come up and ask you, "How are you doing?" <laughs> Smiling, willing to help you out. It's amazing. Yeah. It oh, is. Yeah. That's my favorite place. I'm with you, Ben. Yeah. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, our guest Ben is up. Oh, yeah, the dad joke of the week, huh? Well, I don't know if it's so much of a joke, but kind of a saying and maybe kind of an implication on, you know, maybe my childhood to a degree. But, you know, my dad used to have a saying, you know, he would come and I and I hope, you know, you know, got to remember the guys in his, uh, you know, his mid 80s. So he will use the word man, right? And woman. I know sometimes that's a little risque these days to use that, that, that terminology. But he would say, you know, he would say, you know, one man does one man's work, Ben, and two men do half a man's work. And when you get three men together, they do no work at all. And I, I, I used to scratch my neck. I go, what do you mean by that? And he goes, well, I mean, when I tell you to go outside and do something, you might get it done. But when you invite a couple of your friends over thinking that you're going to get a whole lot of work done, I wind up looking in the yard and see you guys get nothing done. And so, and so, so he was saying the, uh, you know, the, the added value of thinking you're going to have more people involved in a project and somehow have more productivity somehow works in the reverse. And so uh, I always thought that, uh, thought that was kind of funny. And, and I equate that. I think about that sometimes, you know, when we're at work and stuff and we get, you know, we have two people in a meeting collaborating on something. It seems like you get some good ideas, you move forward, but you, you get 10 people in a meeting and all of a sudden you realize I just spent an hour with 10 people. I'm not sure we're any further ahead than we were. So, yeah, it's the old dad joke and maybe some words of wisdom, huh? Hey, between yeah. that and the quote-unquote cash machine, you you are, you are definitely dating yourself, my friend. <laughs> no, I know. Wait, I just don't care. What's a cash machine? Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm going to go over to the Walmart later. 
Hey, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, the, the guy that, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. Cash machine's bad. All right, to wrap things up, Kaseya ransomware attack is the worst in history, but we're not really seeing the effects of it. Exit scams are a thing, and the South African investors are now left holding the bag. Apple Pay provides a convenient way for carters to cash out until Apple plugs that hole. And premium streaming video on demand might spell the end of movie theaters as we know it, but based on the feedback we got today, maybe not. Hodel AMC, hodel AMC. <laughs> AMC to moon, AMC to moon. That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can help us grow the, bo- the podcast by telling somebody else about it. We appreciate you all spreading the word. The best way to find us is to search for the PebCAC podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For my co-hosts, Glenn Medina and Brian Deach, and our guest today, Ben Bailey, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week. And as always, have a nice day. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one. Thanks, Chris. Later, boys.